of Box Sisters, hosted by Jessica C., Jessica Denise, and Linda. This podcast is an intersectional discussion on all things sex, life, and everything in between. As always, we're talking from our lived experience. If these topics bring anything up for you, we encourage you to talk to a professional. Happy listening! Hi everybody, this is Jessica Chapman, and Jessica Denise Dixon, and this is Linda Carrillo, and this is part two of our abortion discussion. Okay, so um, welcome everybody <laughs> to part two. Um, it is July 30th, and uh, the state of the world has changed a lot since the last time we were together on these sofas having this discussion. Um, the Supreme Court has decided to overturn Roe versus Wade, which allowed pregnant people the uh, freedom to choose whether or not they wanted to carry a pregnancy to term. Um, and that being said, I just want to kind of fill everybody in on where we're at in the state of the world and what that decision truly means. Um, so Roe versus Wade was codified as a law, um, more or less, in 1973. As we talked about in the last podcast, since 1973, there have been deliberate attacks on uh, abortion access throughout the United States, specifically in most recent years to trigger a larger discussion in the Supreme Court. Um, Trump was able to, uh, without getting too political, but unfortunately this is political, um, Trump was able to elect three Supreme Court justices. Four? Three. Three. I'm pretty sure it's three. <laughs> uh, check your facts. Um, <laughs> I'll put it in the notes, show notes if I'm wrong. Anyway, uh, he was able to elect three Supreme Court justices, which meant that the majority of the Supreme Court was uh, Republican elected. And while Supreme Court justices uh, claim, especially when they go through their hearing with the Senate, that they uh, see the law equally and that they will judge accordingly, et cetera, et cetera, we all know that uh, that's not the case. Um, and this was a very clear example of that. Um, so as we stand right now, abortion is not um, something that is guaranteed by the federal government. Uh, and the decision basically was to say each state in the United States can choose whether or not they want to ban abortion, whether or not they want to have restrictions, and what those restrictions will look like. So essentially, they've said uh, the right to privacy uh, is now in the hands of the state rather than the federal, uh, well, actually not even the federal government, rather than the patient and the doctor. So, um, that said, I do want to just go over some quick information about where we're at today on July 30th. Um, so, abortion is now banned uh, in eight states as laws restricting the procedure take off. Uh, another four states now ban abortion at six weeks of pregnancy before most women know that they're pregnant. So, if we think about six weeks of pregnancy, that's roughly mm, close to one period being missed. If yeah, that. if that. Like, you do right around the time that you get your Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, essentially, we're saying that 12 states now essentially have some version of a ban on abortion. Um, and there are more bans, according to the New York Times, expected in the coming weeks. Um, and 
in many states, um, there are actually uh, organizations that are fighting this in the courts uh, to stop or to block the enforcement of these restrictive laws. Um, so in North Dakota and Wyoming, uh, judges have temporarily blocked bans on nearly all abortions um, in each state. And a judge in West Virginia temporarily, temporarily blocked a ban on abortion um, that was enacted in 1849, allowing abortions to resume. Whoa. Whew. So, hey, um, hey, ho. So the name of the uh, law, or the, sorry, the, uh, yeah, the lawsuit that was brought before the Supreme Court is called Dobbs vs. Jackson Women's Health Organization. They, uh, Jackson's Women's Health Organization was suing the uh, state of Mississippi um, by because they were making restrictive uh, laws like the six week ban, um, and they wanted to challenge this and say, actually, like this is this is messed up, and you shouldn't be doing this, and um, it's actually a direct violation of Roe versus Wade, and that's when Roe versus Wade kind of came back on the chopping block, um, and so it ended our constitutional right to an abortion. And I want to just have a caveat really quick. When I'm saying people who can get pregnant, I want to be inclusive with that language because yes, uh, biologically sexed women can have uh, carry pregnancy, but trans women can have babies too. So we want to be mindful of that. So um, again, just really quick, um, like where it's illegal or banned, and where it is currently legal, um, there's a movement on <laughs> uh, Instagram which is talking about quote unquote going camping in these legal states um, for to basically essentially go get an abortion. Mm -hmm. So um, the ban is in effect right now. So an all-out ban is in effect in Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Wisconsin, and South Dakota. Expected soon will be uh, Idaho, and then ban is being blocked in North Dakota, Wyoming, Utah, and Arizona. There are currently gestational bans, so uh, after six weeks you can no longer get uh, an abortion, or from 15 to 18 weeks you cannot get an abortion. And those are, uh, the six-week ban is in Tennessee, Ohio, South Carolina, and Georgia. And the 15 or 18 week ban is in Kentucky, Florida, and Utah. Um, lawmakers or courts are still in decisions about where they will stand on uh, uh, abortion restrictions or full out bans. Um, in the states that are currently um, in decision, I should say, is Montana, Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Michigan, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and North Carolina. And not surprisingly, <laughs> the coastal states um, are, and some middle states, four to be exact, um, your legal right uh, to access uh, abortion is still protected in Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, Alaska, Hawaii, Colorado, New Mexico, Minnesota, Illinois, New York, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Maryland, and Maine. So that is where it, it will remain, most likely will remain legal for the foreseeable future. So that's where we're at. And um, I have a lot of thoughts, but I want to kind of 
open it up to my friends here to see what their initial thoughts are or what some questions that they've had or people have had in their lives about this. And then I'm going to offer up some, some resources and also even suggest ways to kind of change the narrative from 1973 to 2022. So I don't know. Linda or Jessica, I wanted to say anything or offer anything? I mean, I can start. I think, to be honest with you, like, when the news broke that it was getting overturned. I think for me it was just um, one of the situations where you don't want to like sit in complacency of like, well, at least I'm like in California, right? Where I know that this isn't going to personally affect me. But for a moment there, I kind of had to bring it down to like an individual level and say like, okay, let me not like have a panic attack over this right. like immediately because like you have like self-preservation like you have to like just keep an eye out for like yourself and your own mental health first because once you start to kind of like bring it into that bigger picture like you could very easily just get really distressed mm-hmm. right like just like it it's obviously very frustrating it brings a lot of emotions it's so it's unfair it, you think about all of the women that this is going to impact um, or all of the people that are able to carry and get pregnant, right? And so I think for me, it was just like an immediate, okay, like let me see what I can do, right? Like what's within my scope of what I can do. Um, let me <laughs> talk to my therapist. <laughs> and all, And just like have that conversation about how, you know, to not let this again like just completely devastate you right because you know for people that are advocates for women's rights um and people that know what this really means for um people that are able to carry a pregnancy that that did not want to carry a pregnancy or were not able to continue that pregnancy for health reasons for whatever it is like, to know that that's not something they're having to face. Like, as a woman or as someone that can carry a pregnancy and has carried a pregnancy, like, it's just so devastating. Mm-hmm. That's that's really kind of, like, as simple as I, I can say it. Like, it's so, it's devastating and frustrating, and it just, it brings a lot of emotions. And so I think that, like, part one for me of this was just, like, okay, let me, like, ground myself, let me have a conversation with someone that's very actively, you know, like helping out with my mental health. Let me see what I can do and like definitely not like turning a blind eye to the fact that other people are affected, but like, okay, in California, like this is the status. So like, what can we do with that? Um, And then after that, once I felt ready to, whether it was like engaging conversations with other people about it to Mm -hmm. like, you know, potentially um, inform you know, because obviously there's a lot of, and I've shared this, I think, even in, like, the first part of the, um, in part one of this episode, of, like, this brings up a lot of emotions for me in terms of, like, my spirituality, right? So having these conversations with people within my circle that are spiritual, like, Mm -hmm. just me not being in agreement Mm -hmm. with a lot of what, you know, the church says about this, um, or even, like, some, it was insane, a couple of, like, co-workers that also identify as spiritual, 
and being like, oh, look, this is going to save babies. And I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, mm. there's a lot that we don't talk about enough. Yeah. There's a lot of that we need to wow. <laughs> just pull layers yeah. back on because that's not, mm-hmm. it, 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 that ain't it. That's not it. Mm-hmm. That's not it. Save um, babies for the sake of what? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Or I, will it, right? Like right. That's another question. Mm-hmm. Will it actually save babies or in the long run, will it cause more suffering? Right. And more pain. A hundred percent. Like, where are you now putting these babies? Like, yeah. in the system? Mm-hmm. If, if they get to be in the system? And, yeah. Yeah. So, again, I think bringing it back to, like, what I could do after, very actively, like, even, like, disconnecting from social media for a few days yeah. because it was just a lot. Yes. Yeah, right? And so I think that it, along, uh, around a lot of these topics that we have conversations about abortion now more recently and specifically, like, there just, there has to be a very, for myself, I have to make a very intentional um, effort to be in a space where I can have the conversations with other people, where I can advocate, where I can, you know, provide resources, whatever that looks like. But first, like, really, really trying to, like, find that, like, ability within myself to be present in the conversations because it's just for the first few days, I was like, I just don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I have, and I very much, right, acknowledge the privilege, the privilege of where I am mm-hmm. in, in the United States that I still can't access uh, termination if I want to. Mm-hmm. Access the privilege of, like, even, like, money, right? Like, mm-hmm. if I weren't able to do that, like, are there financial resources that I can tap into to be able to go somewhere, you know, like, acknowledge all of that and know that, like, okay, like, I'm in a different space and some of these women would be or some of these people that are able to uh, get pregnant and hold a pregnancy would be um, and come to terms with all of that first before I could engage in the conversation. So I think at least from my perspective and my takeaway is, like, if you haven't done that for yourself already, like, yeah. do that. Don't feel like you need to jump into the trenches right away, especially with such a complex topic. Like, take care of yourself first and your needs first and make sure you're able to show up to these conversations in a space that maybe you're a little bit more mm-hmm. centered because this is going to bring out some breath in you. Mm-hmm. Um and then ultimately, like a lot of these people, like that's what they want to see. Like they want to see you get triggered over it. They want to <laughs> yeah. see you get upset over it. They want to see a reaction of you. And it's like, that's yeah, that's not going to be productive at all. And if that's where the conversation is heading, then I probably shouldn't even be in those conversations because mm-hmm. there's no growing from this. There's just an, an argument. Like yeah. and that's not like conducive to anything. Yeah, it's not helpful. You know. So I'm curious. I. I've also had these conversations and shockingly enough, I found that Latina or maybe not Latina women are very much in support of a ban on abortion. And I'm just curious. I mean, like obviously you can't speak on behalf of all Latinas, but I'm curious, like, is there a religious element to it? Is there a familial piece to it? Oh, there's all of those. Yeah. All of those. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think, you know, for the most part, us as Latinos identify with some type of, like, Christian um, spirituality or Catholic, um, you know, whatever it is. And I think that's definitely one of them. I think from a family perspective, like, once one of – and I, again, not speaking for all Latino women, but, like, one of the things that we're, like, raised to do is to raise children. Mm. So when you're now, you know, having a conversation about, like, well, people have the right to not – and it might just – honestly, it might just be projecting or it's, 
race to do like, I had to do it so you have to right. do it too no exactly yeah exactly right yeah. it's like this is what like you were raised to do and like now you're advocating for like something that takes that away from you like it might be like that inner conflict of wait but like that's who I'm supposed to be and mm-hmm. I can't advocate for people which to me is insane because uh, and I've seen other people say it I've heard other people say it and I'm 100% with it me having a kid made me more of an advocate for people not having to have a kid if they don't want to. A hundred percent. Because, I mean, I'm sure that's not in Pandora's box, but, like, I'm just curious. It's a big commitment. It's a lot. Yeah. And it's not just, like, a... I feel like there's a lot of superficial things that people can talk about whenever they talk about, like, motherhood. And not superficial in that they don't mean anything. There's a lot of things that we say, I think, to just kind of give easy answers to people. Like, oh, I'm just tired. Or, <laughs> yeah. oh, like, it's just a lot of work. Or, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like, they're so rambunctious. Like, that's that to me is, like, it's the easy answer, you know? So, like, why people, yeah. yeah. But then when people, like, when I knew that certain people were okay with hearing, like, how it really was, it's like, I, for the first, damn, what was it, like, 30, 40 days, like, you're bleeding out of an open <laughs> you know like yeah. your genitals are tore up if you had a vaginal yeah. delivery if not c-section is way worse yeah right like your recovery is insane so physically yeah. you're not okay you just held something in your womb for nine months mm-hmm. and you knew that you were safe and okay with it mm-hmm. and now they're in a world that you have to teach them about talk to them about walk them through, make sure you're doing it right, make sure that, like, there's just, there's so much to raising a child Mm. that is mental, that is physical, that is emotional, that just puts you in a space that you've never been in before, ever. Mm -hmm. It is a complete life change. And I think that a lot of people can appreciate that for, for, like, me saying it, I'm sure you can appreciate, like, blah, 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 like, yeah, like, that sounds intense, but it's, like, I cannot even describe to you how intense the change is emotionally, like, not even talking about the physical, not even talking about, like, your organs shifting around because they were up in your boobs for nine months, <laughs> not even talking about, like, the size of, like, or your areolas because you've now started to breastfeed, like, the right. pain that comes with breastfeeding for the first two months, if you're lucky, if you're able to breastfeed, if you're not, that brings on a whole, like, thing in and of itself. Like, there's just so many immediate changes. Like, you literally have a baby one day in your womb, and you don't have it there the next, and you pick it up. Like, there's, there's no, like, just faster shift from, like, being a pregnant woman into mm-hmm. being, like, a mother. Yeah. And that and I apologize for the bad words, but I know that we're, you know, bad word friendly. Like, yeah. it fucks your shit up. Yeah. And it can be, like, the most beautiful experience for you where you have, like, an easy pregnancy and you, like, absolutely, like, this was planned, this was desired, which, like, to confirm, like, that was it for me. Like, we had planned it. We had, you know, and it still rocked my shit. Yeah. Like, 100%. And so to think that there's people that have to do that that don't want to, like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. then you're willingly signing them up, not just for, like, oh, like, just carry it, like, you know, and then put it up for adoption. No, sweetheart. Like, it doesn't end up the same way. Mm-hmm. This is so emotionally charged. This is so mentally charged. Mm-hmm. And there's just so much that goes on with it. Not even touching, like, post-perinatal, like, mood disorders. Yeah, right. Not even touch- touching maternal depression, anxiety, OCD. That's a thing, by the way. Mm-hmm. Learned that after I had a kid. Like, didn't even know that beforehand. Mm-hmm. All of, like, the support that you're needing afterwards, if you even have it. Like, not even touching all of that. And you're telling me, like, you're now forcing people to go through that. No matter what their circumstances mm-hmm. are. I don't care what their background is or why they're choosing to cremation. If they do not willingly sign up for something like that, it will fuck their shit up times 10. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and let's be honest, too. The states that currently have a ban in effect are the states where there's a majority of black and brown people. Right. So who is bearing the, the burden of this? I would say uh, across races, but more so disproportionately. Are gonna be black and brown people. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be that way, yeah. Well, yeah, it was obviously <laughs> that's the intentionality, right? I mean that that lady at that snuff rally, she messed up her speech and she was supposed to say something a little bit more kosher, but she said this is a big victory for white women. <laughs> it was like the day after or something. She right. was white to lives. Say, yeah, white lives. Yeah. She was supposed to say for for human lives, but she had a quote-unquote Freudian slip and said white lives. Said, well, honestly, a friend sent me that video, and I didn't even I didn't even think anything of it, like that that was why he sent me the video, and I was just like, oh. Yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> just that something, something that someone who supports Trump would say. Like, it yeah. just was like, and then I was like, oh, he sent me this cut. Got it. Uh, but like, it just was like, yeah, of course that's what it seemed she to would be. say. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this this whole this whole thing has been very very interesting. For me, I think my experience is, or my experience around it was like, how can we actually move forward and not go into urgency? Because a people have been supporting people for a really long time, right? And you know, people who who do um who 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 work in abortion care have been anticipating things like this for yeah. a very long time. Right. So I you see like the come camp, you can camp, you can blah 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 and all these things and I'm like, okay. But do you actually have the resources yes. to support people yeah. who need the support? You actually don't know unless you have are, are already in that world. Right. You just saying like come stay at my house. Like is it's very individualistic. Yeah. It's and also an empty offer. Like are you really gonna take in people who want abortions? Yeah, I mean and I know a few people who are very who are very serious about it. Yeah. But you don't know what is entailed. Oh. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, you know, going into urgency often and I I refer to this as white urgency when I'm talking about white supremacy. Um, because it is this sense that like something has to happen immediately, has to happen now. Um, when in reality, the things that seem to need to be dealt with now are things that people of color have been mm-hmm. fighting, have been mm-hmm. 
um, advocating around for so long. And so for me, it's always okay. Like, how do we move forward by honoring the people who are doing this work, listening to their voices so that we can actually move forward? Because if we don't listen to the people who are doing the work, people who are closest to the pain, then we're just going to end up taking action that doesn't necessarily have any connection to an outcome. And that's what we want to avoid. Like any like performative action, one of the things is that we're doing things that don't actually impact the people who, you know, who, who we're saying that we want to impact. And that's what we always want to look at, right? Like we might feel, and then I saw this, I saw the Women's March, the Summer Rage. And yeah, I was Summer like, Rage or Anger? Or yeah, it was Rage. And I was like, okay. that's, that's, a, that's kind of a, that's a long season to be in Rage. <laughs> um, that's like, like, what, five months? Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's a good amount of time to be in Rage. Um, you have to find humor in something. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but part of it is like, okay, I love Rage, and I think Rage is an important part of justice. Yeah. Um, and it's an important part of grief, but are you clear about what you're actually grieving about? Mm-hmm. Are you clear on what there is to grieve? Are you clear on what there is to be angry about? Are you clear on what there is injustice around? Mm-hmm. Or are you just feeling all the things and you just have a dysregulated nervous system? Mm-hmm. And so you're just kind of like moving forward with any action that feels like it's something that you can grasp onto right. or a sense of control. And so for me, those are the things that's like, okay, yes, we should, we should be angry. You know, we should care about the rights of the stories that I'm hearing about how, you know, if, if it's only for medical emergencies, like for the mother, babies who are near death inside a womb, they're not getting cared for until the mom is nearly dying herself. Yeah, and the impact of that on a person's psyche, mm-hmm. on a community, yeah. you know, it's just all of that is just so much. So I think for me, it's like, how can I be grounded in what what is really happening here? In what is there for me to do? Is there, you know, is it that I need to, you know, speak to someone in the government? Is that I need to give? actual funds to local organizations that are doing the work that are actually supporting um people who are able to get pregnant maintain pregnancy you know what is my relationship to those to those things um and and what does it look like for me moving forward knowing that one of the things i've been thinking about a lot is um individualism and abortion you know we talked about this in part one that it's a personal thing but that doesn't mean that it's individual right um something can be personal and collective Mm -hmm. and i think that when we move away from the individualism and we say this is personal to me but it is collective then that's when things have more of an opportunity to shift if we stay in the you know my right, my individual right is the most important thing and it's personal to me and my individual experience as opposed to like, no, it's personal to me and 
is personal to all of these other people too. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we are connected um, in this society inherently um, because of our humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where we have a chance to do advocacy that matters, that sticks, that lands. Um, and we're always, of course, have to look at what are the dynamics at play? What are the power dynamics at play? Um, what is being upheld hierarchical, hierarchically? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and looking at all of those things and being able to own what the privilege we have is um, and being able to even call to people who may have more privilege than we can to take action. Mm-hmm. Um, because the more privilege that we hold, the less likely we are to see um, a lot of the dynamics that are actually at play mm-hmm. with something, mm-hmm. which is why we always want to be focusing on like who is closest to the pain, who are the people at the margins, um, who are going to be the most impacted by something. And there, in, in examining those stories and examining those experiences, we find the path to liberation because the barriers ahead are the clearest. Mm. And it's easiest to see what we need to actually move away when we look and focus on those experiences. So mm-hmm. those are my thoughts. Here, here. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I was thinking like a couple days after, so I am typically one of those people that has white urgency because I am a white person and also I have an anxiety disorder. Um, that plays a part in it. And so initially it was like, I gotta go protest. I gotta go out on the streets. I gotta, I gotta walk out of my house with Brian. Yeah, I need yeah. to get the full <laughs> And I was just like, but my body was like, no, no. And so I listened to her mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna do it. You know, there are different resources and different ways in which I can be an advocate, in which I can show up. And for the first time, probably ever, I didn't emotionally respond. Well, one, like Jessica mentioned, people have been doing abortion work. We knew this yeah. was coming. I'm, and I, you know, I'm, I empathize with people who had no idea, but this has been something that's happening since 50 years, since 1973, yep. 50 years. So, and, and more aggressively, in the last 10 years, I would say. Uh, so it wasn't surprised it happened, as sad as that sounds. And I also thought, well, what can we do? Like, what can I really, truly do? And how can I show up? Because we do know that there are organizations and people and individuals working in their states to to affect change and who have been fighting um, and no one is listening to them. Because it's not... It's that, what I call, not in my backyard syndrome, right? Well, it's not in my backyard, so it's not my problem. And I get it. I'm freaking like that, too. Like, there are so many things that we have to be worried about these days. So it's like, when are we just going to, like, turn our brains off and just watch Desperate Housewives or whatever people watch these days? (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry. Real Housewives. Sorry. Um, I say, what? Do people watch Desperate Housewives? Is that even a thing? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, Real Housewives, yes. Real Housewives. Indeed, we do. Guilty pleasure. We love it, right? And so, anyway, so I don't blame anybody for that. The other thing that I've learned, too, in the work that I've been doing 
with myself, but also with others, you know, when we're doing advocacy, especially as a white person, is like, how are we showing up with our privilege? And how are we showing up with like the narrative that we have in our head? And how can we open our ears and our hearts and not be like, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. Because people know how to do it already. There's a lot of people. Right. And, and honestly, learning about something for the first time doesn't make you an expert in it. You're not the thing that's going to come in and burn five bombs in the day. Like, yeah. you just learned about it. Why don't you slow down and listen yeah. to the people right. who have literally been anticipating that this could happen for so long and still have plans to be able to support people? Yeah. 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 So that actually go seamlessly flows into Ooh. the next piece of this uh, part two, Love which that. is... Here's what we're not going to do. This is brought to us by the PRH Docs. They're on Instagram, um, and they are basically a reproductive health collective from around the United States um, who provides reproductive health care as well as abortion. And so they have a lot of really great um, resources and information. Um, So definitely follow them. They are at PRH Docs. So they posted this uh, like day or two after Um, the initial uh, uh, decision was made. And so here's what it says. Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to do, uh, what we're not going to do is stigmatize abortion. Saying no one likes abortion or abortion should be rare implies abortion is wrong. We know abortion is a good thing that makes people's lives better. Be unapologetically pro-abortion. Love that. Uh, what we're not going to do is exclude trans people from this movement. We need to di- ditch gendered language about abortion. Trans and non-binary people have abortions. It costs us nothing to include everyone. Mm-hmm. We are not going to share coat hanger imagery. Um, the same goes for saying, quote unquote, back alley abortions. Uh, this won't be 1972. We have abortion pills now which will allow people to safely manage their abortions. We also have the technology to connect with with and help people spread the word about self-managed abortion instead. So I wanna pause here really quickly and say that yes, this is something I was driving to work one day right after this and I thought the difference between 1972 and 2022 is that we have this thing called the mobile phone. <laughs> and so we, I mean like I was working very briefly with uh, really small villages in Niger, which is in sub-Saharan Africa, and they had phones and they used WhatsApp. So if people in Niger have phones and WhatsApp, then we have the ability in the United States, I hope all of us to access uh, our phones and to access the internet. We can get uh, the abortion pill or plan B over the internet. So that's a caveat. Also, there are a lot of new movements or continued movements, I should say, around um, being an abortion doula and midwifery, surprisingly, has taken a huge uptick as well, which is very exciting for me um, because it also is transforming the way that we look at pregnancy um, and parenthood in general, which Mm -hmm. I think is exciting. Um, What we're not going to do is blame the South for abortion bans. Everyone deserves access to abortion in their own communities, no matter where they live. People in the South are oppressed by their governments and saying they deserve it helps no one. 
we're not going to reinvent work abortion funds are already doing. Abortion funds have existed for years and have the infrastructure to help abortion patients get the care they need. Duplicating this work creates more problems than it solves. We need to trust abortion funds and invest in the work that already exists. What we're not going to do is make Handmaid's Tale or Underground Railroad comparisons. Thank you! (laughs) (laughs) Abortion bans will harm black and brown people the most. Using the langu- this language centers white women positions that m- as saviors and minimizes the ways white women have historically been complicit in racism and abortion bans. Abortion bans are their own bad thing. These comparisons are harmful. Amen. <laughs> so how can you uh, support abortion in trigger ban states? So in Arkansas, there is, and we'll put this in the notes, mm-hmm. in Arkansas, there is a, a abortion, uh, what is it called again, abortion fund called Alaska, <laughs> Arkansas Abortion Support Network, Idaho Northwest Abortion Access Fund, Kentucky, Kentucky Health Justice Network, and Louisiana, New Orleans Abortion Fund, Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund, Missouri Abortion Fund, MD Win Abortion Access, Roe Fund, Justice Blue Empowerment Network in South Dakota, uh, Abortion Care for Tennessee, Lilith Fund in Texas, Utah Abortion Fund in Utah, Wyoming is Chelsea's Fund. So there are lots of abortion um, funds in existence already. There are groups and community organizations that have been well vetted and have been doing this work for a very long time. The last thing I will say is, for another resource, we will also put this in the show notes, visit Plan C, as in charliepills.org, plancpills.org, for up-to-date information about how people in the U.S. are accessing abortion pills online and the connection to access abortion pills online. So those are some resources that um, I think could potentially be helpful and are kind of in agreement with kind of what we were talking about in terms of not reinventing work that's already been done. Also, a side note, I love Planned Parenthood. I've worked with and for Planned Parenthood on numerous occasions. There are other organizations that exist out there that are doing the work that aren't just Planned Parenthood. And in fact, Linda and I, years ago, uh, went to a conference called Sister Song. And um, I was uh, lucky enough to be part of a workshop where uh, some black and brown women were sharing their anger um, and rightfully so, that Planned Parenthood in their community kind of came in at the 11th hour of working on this policy and this different work that they were doing and basically like swooped in and took credit for all the work, even though women of color have been doing that work for a super long time. But this isn't uh, unique to this community. This happens throughout the United States. Um, you have predominantly white female organizations that oftentimes are things like Planned Parenthood or better funded or whatever that kind of step in and take over the work or have a bigger spotlight. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I challenge white women as a white woman myself to maybe take a step out of that spotlight and share it um, because just because you're sharing doesn't mean that there's less for you um, and or take a step back and just kind of look at what is it that you're doing to perpetuate the supremacy and what is it that you can do to support and to change the paradigm? That's all I have to say about that. Yes. 
Yes. <laughs> so for more information, um, check out our uh, show notes and we will have some resources there. Um, but uh, yeah, stay safe, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Uh, as Audre Lorde said, self-care is an act of revolution. So take care of yourself. Peace.